you know there are products that are coming in on dust monitoring or pollutant monitoring and other things these are essentially to help the industries understand what is exactly going on so the numbers might not be really in favor of the industry but over a long period and they do realize that their processes are inefficient which is why so much of um, so2 is generated or so much of nitrogen is generated so so it's a feedback loop it, it it's a win win situation for both the industries workers and environment Hello, welcome to the episode 27 of the Bell Coyote podcast. Coyote everything with me, Sai Prakash Belkeri. And the topic for today's discussion is about environment. This environment is the most uh, you know ignored thing in the in in past few decades and we are now you know seeing the effects of it and it's it's no late that we are realizing that thing and we are trying to repair the things but few spaces we have done irreparable damages but still if uh, if we you know if we don't not take the right steps now we are going to a place where you know we can't repair or undo any kind of thing and that's where i think technology is playing a vital role a lot of big companies like shell microsoft google everyone is you know contributing their own part to this and are doing better but to talk about this how this is happening at the ground level what are the changes that are happening today we have vivek here who is ceo of symbolin innovations and he is going to share about a lot of uh, his works who specifically in the field of environment he's uh, you know he's contributing to a lot of industry 4.0 implementations and also uh, projects in the vertical of environment uh, you know trying to save whatever is left out and uh, without further ado let me welcome vivek hello vivek thanks for joining me uh, thanks for your time here today and uh, how are you doing in the first place yeah hello prakash so first of all thanks a lot um, to you as well for uh, having this uh, uh, having me over here and um, also big kudos to what you're doing with the uh, balkayoti podcast really appreciate have had the time to go through a few of them and really amazing job top quality uh people and content that you're producing so big kudos to you on that and um, with that yeah i'm doing well keeping safe in this hard time so how about you how are things at your end all good uh, recently got hit it's like it's it's become a common thing now everyone gets getting hit but uh, you know uh, the more important thing is uh, we being uh, more responsible that we not we do not you know uh, pass it on to the next person and that's where that's how we break chain right so yeah That, that that's how it is so if you can quickly takes uh, you know two minutes to explain more about yourself uh, uh, w- the work that you have been done the, with with your startup uh, that you have uh, what you are contributing to a lot of the specifically in the industry 4.0 space uh, if you right. can touch upon that um so i think going back uh, how we started i think it's a bit of a blur now but um, Uh, we started when we were in fourth year of engineering a bunch of us uh, got together and said you know we don't want to work under anybody um let let's try uh, doing something of our own i mean um, maybe from the generation that previous uh, none of us uh, i mean all of us are first time entrepreneurs none of us come from that background of uh, uh, business or entrepreneurship per se so we all got around and then uh, we met very interesting people who guided us along the way and we're still in touch with them work with them so uh things have happened um you know since then it since, since then it's all been like a, a you know wild journey a roller coaster right but um, yeah a lot of interesting projects a lot of interesting um, scenarios and really understanding industry from the uh, ground depth and you know meeting um, the different cios cfos who shed light on you know the various issues i think that has been the most satisfying part of this journey and uh, we want to contribute in a way that we can and make an impact that uh, you know each of us or any of us could have made individually so that's what uh, we believe in try to make a bigger impact socially um to the planet and uh, to the people around us so yeah that's the message we try to carry with us every day wow uh, can you if you if you can you know elaborate on what kind of uh... uh projects have you handled till now you know if right. you, you need not go in deep depth of that but if you can touch upon it correct okay 
Um, so, I mean, when we started, uh, since uh, academically you get a more of a leeway to explore. So we were really trying to help a PhD and research scholars and we were setting up test benches for them uh, for various experiments. I mean, our first, um, since I think it, it's been in uh, news recently about uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, but our first project was um, a Bill and Melinda Gates a grant uh, project. Mm. It was done on that. So, I mean, we were really shaken up by the news, but but I hope if the work of the community goes on, then it's great. So that was our first thing. So we uh, worked from there. Uh, that was on, again, environment. It was on uh, helping segregate waste and uh, finding new ways of uh, turning uh, wastewater into, uh, again, uh, usable for agricultural and irrigation purposes. So that was our project. So it had a lot of sensors, IoT, cloud in it. So that was where we started. And from there, when we slowly moved up, uh, we saw this problem was, again, evident across various industries, manufacturing from automotive to pharma to oil and gas. Most of them uh, have a huge uh, dirt in their um, uh, setup. So that is where uh, we are trying to chip in and help them digitize their shop floor better. So we call ourselves the digital transformation uh, consultants or industry 4.0 consultants so industry 4.0 to explore more it, it's not a destination per se it's more of a process a framework where you take measures that um, uh, you know put your company your processes uh, your manufacturing uh, improve and constantly reiterate and you know figure out what is best for you at the same time, not compromising on what is best for the environment, what is best for the people and other things. So it, it's an amalgamation of a lot of fields. I think uh, we can uh, get into that later on. But uh, uh, so, so that's pretty much about um, Industry 4.0. And major component of what we do um, today also has a big compass of uh, environment in it. So environment being a North Star of a lot of solutions that we offer so one of the interesting use cases would be on EHS, which is energy and health companion. So uh, how we are going to help uh, companies be more energy efficient, more environmentally safe, and you know also uh, help to protect uh, health of their uh, workers and you know the folks on the shop floor. So these are some of the interesting things that uh, we've been up to. So yeah, I think um, over to you. So what exactly where we want to go next. Wow, wow, that's great. I mean, uh, I see, uh, you know, that uh, passion really in your eyes that uh, you, you want to really drive this whole movement forward with, uh, you know, with, with you know, also uh, environment being one of the key topics because we are exactly at the point where, you know, uh, uh, if we uh, don't kind of reverse this thing, uh, we are going into a permanent uh, changed uh, position, right? So, uh, you know, even uh, often uh, Sadhguru says that, you know, we are the human beings. I mean, we as human beings are the only creatures on this planet. If we go to sleep, the environment will repair itself. And uh, <laughs> practically that is not possible. You know, we have seen it practically uh, in, in the lockdowns that happened in India that you know in a very populated places like mumbai uh, peacocks were coming out roads and dancing and all all such yeah, yeah. amazing videos but uh, you mm. know uh, but it, it it is not practical that we we you know going back to completely human uh, race uh, completely you know escaping or you know vanishing suddenly is not possible so we have to come up with a way where you know we uh, we learn to uh, coexist with this uh, thing and also you know we take the uh, tool of technology to repair these things but before we go you know talk about a lot of uh, work that you have done uh, how uh, things have been happening uh, if you can touch upon why is this thing so important why uh, wh what what really uh, you know fact what what groundbreaking factors do you see and why is the, the uh, why there is so emphasis at this particular time i mean uh, even i said that you know, we are getting into a irreparable uh, position but why is that so you know if you can uh, zoom it out right absolutely uh, so i mean you were very much right uh, in terms of uh, we moving more towards the plastic um, 
thing uh, plastic change where uh, you know the changes are permanent and they're not very uh, you know you can't go back so and uh, the impact primarily comes from i think um, it it all started with the global warming and you know i think when we all started to feel uh, the temperature rise polar caps melt and all of that but that uh, doesn't impact a day to day human i mean you're going to read about global warming on the newspapers or you're going to feel concerned you know some of the people are going to have to it on twitter but then ultimately when you realize you know where is this impact happening i think you know you're not able to really uh, emphasize or connect with that as much you know as something happens to you nearby i think uh, in uh, lockdown times we have seen as i said um, uh, you know peacocks uh, uh coming on to mumbai roads and in bangalore here we have seen um, uh, you know rare kind of flowers blossoming you know which have never done it i mean they're supposed to come up in spring but uh, they don't and you know we've seen a lot of flora and fauna actually uh, thanks to uh, lockdown wow. so so really interesting uh, things like that happening but um, from a point where i think here in india it really changed here in india where it uh, really stuck was uh, delhi so i think whenever the crop burning was happening i think uh, uh we saw like the smog we saw the flights couldn't take off and it really started to impact people it started to impact logistics it started to uh, you know really uh, you know make us think more about environment than ever before because we could really connect and uh, um, you know try to solve it and um, even for us the inspiration primarily was from there so uh we are not we were not environmentalist per se or we were not driven for environment uh, and then we started to make products but when we started to uh, build along this lines we started to learn more and we gathered more information more knowledge and that is what made us more conscious about environment or really understand the big picture uh, per se rather than some keywords and you know how, how this happened so uh so not coming from environmental point of view coming more from a sensors point of view now we are realizing the true impact of it and um, are trying to really comprehend things from our end and when you say why it is important so a couple of things i would like to touch a couple of examples so first thing was um, is of an example uh, that uh, you know that we have witnessed so this was from a, a first ever projects where we deployed lot of environmental sensors in a huge park here in bangalore so it offer it occupies the center of bangalore so it it connects all these amazing old bangalore areas with more of the hip bangalore areas so it's called kabam park so people from around here uh, mm-hmm. will know so when we did that what we really uh, witnessed was a huge spike there are uh, so this park is spread over i believe around 260 to 70 acres uh, right in heart of bangalore and there are couple of uh, roads like major roads that run through um this uh, kaban park and there are some of the smaller roads which are more of the auxiliary roads which are for parking you know or you know for people to take walks around and other things and of course a park you have you know places to sit and you know just um, chill out but then what we observed was we put our sensors across everywhere on the main roads where the traffic passes through and traffic is generally from 9 to 5 9 to 6 is and then it's cut off so we could see um huge uh, change in the pollution level so primarily we were monitoring um, uh, sulfur nitrogen uh, dioxide oxides of nitrogen then carbon monoxide carbon dioxide and all of this so we saw at least 400 to 600% increase during the time when uh, uh, you know vehicles were allowed and uh, for a park like that uh, from the standards it's it's more than the allowable limit and it's just uh, a uh, way too high so that was our first ever impact okay this is serious okay this is uh, what it is and uh, we really couldn't believe the data at first we thought maybe we have made a mistake or something like that so we <laughs> tried day 1 day 2 day 3 and then and then it just keeps going then we said okay wait so here they have a ban on vehicles on sunday so let's see what happens on sundays and then on sundays we saw that everything was fine everything was under control so Uh, how few vehicles allowed through a park can you know so severely damage the park and and this effect was also more of a ripple effect so you can actually see uh, the nearby areas surrounding the road as well have a higher concentration than the other ones and then slowly as you move in away away from the uh, you know epicenter the concentration of the uh, pollutants also decrease so this was a very interesting um, 
thing that we learned uh, and uh, this is when we thought okay this is for real this is actually happening and you know uh, though we don't see uh, i mean another thing you know like the general perception people have is you know trucks cause a lot of lot of pollution and all of that uh, but then when we saw trucks were not allowed on these roads so it, it was only uh, only ltv oh. vehicles that were allowed no htv vehicles and and still the pollution was a, was through the roof so that's when we realized it's not really about one kind of vehicles or this it's just the repeated uh, uh, you know repeated vehicles coming and repeated vehicles passing out that volume is what contributes rather than uh, the kind of vehicle sure i mean things would have been different if um, htvs were allowed but otherwise also it's still a very significant uh, uh, issue significant uh, cause of pollution in that uh, park so this was uh, the first our uh, example where we thought okay this is uh, very very serious and it is affecting and um, the second one would be the effect of this cause so when we started talking with pollution bodies um, bbmp which is uh, one of the uh, is a civic body for maintaining things in Bangalore. and they said are you guys sure this is what it is and we said yeah even we were doubtful so we had a bunch of data for them and it so happened that they started, you know, we, we are going to make changes to this, but it, it all can't happen at a time. So now after uh, two months of implementation of this, they banned vehicles through uh, Carbon Park on last Sunday or last Saturday of every month in addition to the four Sundays. So I thought that's uh, one step uh, towards um, uh, this goal. And uh, we also saw, uh, you know, many other uh, things happening like waste burning and other things which are also contributing a lot so they moved to more closed uh, uh, incinerators for waste and uh, uh, more distributed kind of an architecture for it landfills and other things so i, I think uh, what we realized was first step for doing anything to environment is actually know what is happening to the environment so I think uh, by monitoring it, that's where we got to know. By looking at the data, that is when we got to know. That is when we started to relate to it. And um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how the journey started. Wow, that's that's really heartbreaking. And also, you know, a uh, uh, little relaxing that, you know, to, to see that, you know, at least few measures are being taken. I'm, I'm sure definitely one Saturday closing it down wouldn't, you know really do anything uh it but you know how how long can the governments enforce on this uh you know it, it should be the people who should be you know uh, voluntarily doing it uh you know but eventually even you know i talk all this uh, moral things but even if i if i was there even i wouldn't have thought about it at least uh you know you know while i was driving through that park with my bike so how do we you know uh, so this is not so this is not the problem of people not understanding it per se i would say uh, it's it's more of you know uh, being unconscious about it we are unconscious actions are contributing to it so how do we you know uh, how is uh, you know how do you uh, employ technology to save this or you know make it better how are how is the world a uh, lot of different organizations uh, and even you are uh, you know working on this space if you can share some light on how is essentially uh, with iot uh, you know we are solving this problem right um yeah so i think that as you said the action has to come from people and the drive has to come from uh, people so i think um, uh, what I feel uh, one way uh, is that, you know, that even we were, as I said, we were not environmentalist or we were not um, uh, so involved into uh, this or never heard about the uh, policy making in this space. But today we understand who are the policy makers for environment, how it works and what are the different standards uh, that are there for it. So uh, we become more and more proactive, um, at least in understanding environment and uh, the loss around it, so which we were never, and and it all started with um, one small sensor and knowing what exactly is happening. So I, I think um, my uh, suggestion or, or you know my uh, call out for people would be you know, to just start off with um, uh, one small sensor at your home and you know have it placed on your front porch and have it placed inside the home and you can see a big difference in the environment, the quality of air, and you can also if you're on a main road or you know. 
uh, somewhere uh, you know in a city center you can actually see that during the active hours you see pollution peaking up and it drops through the afternoon before picking up for the evening and this actually makes a lot of sense and if you try to run those numbers by the standards and you know the quality of living index you'll see where you're ranked you'll be surprised to know you would have thought that okay we are very good but you realize no, we're just on the borderline of uh, hazard is and good so a lot of such things have happened personally at my house i've done it so all of this um, can be done so i think one example or one interesting story i would um, like to tell was uh, back in um, uh, 1900s 1910 1920s so hcl which is hindustan aeronautics limited is a pretty big aeronautical manufacturing uh, and research center here so uh, there was this one uh, anecdote there where um, say if a small transistor burns out on the controller of a plane they used to uh, send a chartered plane out to kolkata uh, which was at that time the only uh, entry into india because kolkata was then capital for a while and also it has a port so pretty much all the electronics uh, from uh, england and other places or japan used to come down to kolkata and they used to uh, fly the transistor back to bangalore from kolkata on a single flight so there was a joke where wow. you know one person would call up ate ate rasgulla bhi leke aana the pilot who used to fly the aircraft probably <laughs> people Uh, I used to say that. So yeah, I mean th- things like that um, happened not so long ago, and um, now today, uh, you know, we have so much access to electronics. We have so much access to IoT, and uh, you know, burning a sensor, you need not send a plane out to Kolkata or fly out anywhere. So you can, um, you know, the accessibility and the reach is far uh, significant today. So so with that I I think um, more people should explore hack burn few sensors burn few controllers you know get your hands dirty and uh, once you really start to if if not for anything like a hobby sunday project if you just try to see what is really happening uh, in and around my area I think a uh, lot of us would become more proactive environmentalist and we would really really understand the importance of uh, environment because as i said it's difficult to connect with um, what is going on in the global news you can watch a bbc documentary on global warming all that but to connect with it you should have that personal touch so that is what i think um, would be a great starting point and that was our starting point with it so yeah so that's pretty much on how to get started that's a great takeaway for me at least at least for me uh, you know i'm not sure about the audience uh, i'm sure they would also try it out but i i will definitely you know uh, give it a try uh, you know I, we we definitely i definitely did a lot of projects but never kept them alive like you know we like like mm. everyone every other person does we uh, try it out once the project is done we you know disassemble disassemble it and you know use those parts in other project but you know it's now i understand you know uh, having those things around and uh, monitoring the values is essentially important but going on to the next thing uh, it's all great you know we we get to know but uh, what is the solution uh, essentially what is the solution that these big companies and you as a company are trying to make what what are the you said you are doing a lot of projects in you know environment space uh, for for a lot of big companies you are helping them you know use sustainable energy and all these things and also energy and environment are also uh, you know can correlated yeah. almost correlated topics we'll get into that uh, in a while but if you can first touch upon what kind of solutions are being uh, implemented to you know uh, overcome these things right um so when i look into uh, this space so there is uh, two different spaces here uh, so there is uh, the terminology that would be most relevant would be smart city and smart industry environments so uh, two use cases because one is indoor and one is outdoor so primarily uh, your smart uh, industry would be say in your foundry smelting plants and other things where there is combustion now where there are people working so how do you ensure that they don't suffer with long term breathing issues or um, mm-hmm. you know that all the levels are kept in check so that is with the uh, ehs compliance and uh, 
with respect to uh, smart industry and when you come to smart city it's more on uh, how do you ensure people can safely walk on roads and not have breathing problems right so there are uh, two two uh, broad you can areas. also touch upon what uh, you meant by ehs compliance right uh, so primarily when uh, uh, industry sets up uh their factory in a special economic zone or a industrial area right so they have to uh follow a certain norms because uh, uh depends again on the capacity so once you start building really big plants uh, secs and industrial uh, places are the way to go and each sec uh and industrial space have their own norms okay so they have a norm where you know how much of the energy that you consume has to go back to the grid in form of renewable energy so this can include solar wind biogas and other things so how are you going to give back uh, to the uh, society or give back uh, to the environment and when you're building such a big plant obviously your carbon footprint is high so how are you going to ensure that uh, uh, you know you're going to reduce that and keep in check so these are some stringent laws and um, the enforcement i'm not entirely sure how effective it is but at least on the law making side or at least on the policy at least on the document level things are on you know black and white so uh, these are certain norms so energy i've told so similarly health so the so2 and uh, a lot of um, nitrous oxide have to be kept in check because uh, these are very dangerous and can have long term impact on health of workers so how are you going to keep in check so there are exact figures there are exact concentration numbers it can't exceed um, you know that value and the averaging period of this has to be so much so all of these numbers everything is very very clear and uh, uh, today i think uh, also the waste management is another thing so uh, there are a bunch of um, uh, elements which are interconnected and drafted under one single uh, article or one single uh head called ehs and uh, this is something that industries have to meet and um, uh, from what i understand from hearing from our customers and others these are getting more and more uh implemented every day and uh, more and more serious at least so that is the reason now they approach is saying you know how do we really know what is the ehs because right now what they do is you know every 15 minutes or something just measure it by manually write down the reading and then ensure that they are in check but that is not the case it can change uh, in the middle of the night when you have the last shift of the day going on and what about the workers then right so you need a continuous monitoring of things you need a measurable uh, quantity uh, you need data of all of this so so that is where uh, you know there are products that are coming in on dust monitoring or pollutant monitoring and other things so these are essentially to really help um the customers or help the industries understand what is exactly going on and uh, some of this uh though uh, the numbers might not be really in favor of uh, uh the industry but over a long period of time they do realize that their processes are inefficient which is why so much of um, so2 is generated or so much of nitrogen mm. is generated so so it's a feedback loop it, it it's a win win situation for both the industries workers and environment so uh uh similar things with energy as well so they might see that uh, you know when the environment is safe still the air conditioners are on still something is on you know there are so many of these uh, use cases where uh, this continuous monitoring can really help uh, bring about a change so this is on, on one side of the uh, things is smart industry then when you come to smart city as i said our parks are a beautiful example you go out for a park in the you go out for a walk in the park in the morning but what is a guarantee that the area you're breathing is safe and you know you're not going to come down with any of this and this is particularly very very difficult for um, people who have existing breathing conditions like um, i don't know maybe breathing asthma and other things so how are you going to ensure that particular protected uh, set also has a safe air to breathe right so correct uh, inter- interior parts of the park is fine but what about the perimeter what about the things that are exposed to um, uh, roads exposed to traffic exposed and you might have a, a waste uh, burning center right right across the street from there so how are you going to ensure all of that so uh, from that perspective um, on a iot level if i have to go the challenges are very different from smart industry to a smart city so here it is more of uh, vehicle pollution and pollutants associated with it 
that you try to monitor and the quality of air like pm dust particles and um, you know sub micron level uh, dust particles you know which are very dangerous and uh, they you have you call it as particulate matter comes in different sizes 1 micron 2.5 micron and 10 micron so um, sub 2.5 is the one that really affects your lung and your breathing system without realizing it so how are we going to ensure that particular element of uh, concentration of that doesn't go up and the second thing uh, would be of course on the uh, pollutants like carbon and other things which are burnt in the exterior environment and how do we keep them in check so these are the challenges with respect to a smart uh, city and smart industry as i've talked about it's more on uh, uh nitrous oxides and oxides of sulfur which are generated as byproducts of uh, various chemical processes that go on in industries um so uh, those are uh, two critical things and um, one there is no one solution fits all kind of thing in this scenario so whenever somebody is want to tackle right. a problem they have to choose either side and uh, try to design systems for it and today the major problem of ehs compliance thing is the sensors today the existing mechanisms from uh, some of the leading companies are way too expensive okay so uh, the technology mm-hmm. at least um, till last 2 3 years ago was not democratized or demonetized so it, it it was very expensive it was not widely available there were only specific manufacturers they had a huge lead times so all of this but today uh when you look at it there are more and more companies that are making these sensors right from uh, uh you know your bosch to panasonic to a lot of things so these they were not um uh, available so widely as um, uh, you know as today as you yeah. know some few years ago and with i think covid was also uh, driven that change a lot because uh, the indoor spaces today uh you have a lot of these air purifiers dehumidifiers uh, you know they come with inbuilt mm-hmm. uh, particulate matter sensors if you've seen some of the commercials or brochures of these so uh, okay. i think this is driving the indoor revolution at least how uh, you know the air you breathe inside home is safer even uh, if not for purification at least it's obligated to know if you are doing the right thing or not Like what is the right limit and you know, what what is it what is it, the situation that is going on so i think uh, more and more products are expected in this uh, b2c indoor space and um, this is going to really improve over time because people are getting more and more conscious more and more uh, um, you know realizing that it's it's a very very serious problem though they might not realize it at one go so it's a really problem over the years if you have bad air it's a big problem so i think that is where the changes are happening and even with industry with stricter laws coming in things are happening and with smarter cities i think governmental regulations are pushing uh, because uh, there are a lot of uh, smart city infrastructure providers who are building these so called smart poles so where um, uh, you have surveillance like cctv cameras and other things built in then you have uh, uh, ev charging stations built in so for electric cars uh, and um, you have uh, very interestingly have environmental sensor mandated on top of every pole so that you exactly know what is going on with respect to environment so i think that is a very interesting um, wow that's uh, a cool and, idea yeah so that's uh, i mean that's a way to go for smart cities it it can't be like um, uh, you you have environmental separate from other things so once you add that one layer of environment with every other product that has to be there that is smart so that is when i think uh, um, you know our air that we breathe will be more safer for everybody so hmm. yeah, these are some of the products and uh, uh, things in this direction wow that's that's really amazing uh, you know i from definitely one takeaway from uh, what i've learned is you know uh, definitely technology is not trying to solve the problem but it is bringing more awareness and uh, when that awareness comes people will eventually go towards the solutions and uh, definitely the 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 uh, you know solution for any environment problem is environment itself uh, uh, you know it can it, it has the power to heal itself but only uh, till the point that we are not you know uh, hitting it again and again so that it it doesn't uh, go to a point where it cannot heal itself 
uh, and uh, with these technologies we are essentially from all the examples that you have given uh, i could really understand one thing is that you know like the the very case i really loved that you know when you said uh, it is helping the employees in the in the industry to you know monitor those spo2 levels but also helping uh, the industries to understand how inefficient their machines are and it's a really win win thing so that they can you know fix their machines also and also it helps the employees uh, that, that's really great uh, so it, it essentially it's really giving that uh, value uh, that information uh, uh, which we didn't have which gives us the perception to you know handle the things better Correct. Uh, now, moving on to the next thing, uh, uh, the one important thing that a lot of people uh, emphasize are now emphasizing right from Elon Musk to you know small companies, uh, you know, uh, is energy is where you know everyone is trying to get uh, get into electric uh, vehicles and uh, you know sustainable energy, uh, solar. Uh, and all these things even our prime minister is heavy on this thing and is trying to you know uh, stretch it out as much as possible so how do these things go hand in hand uh, you know uh, definitely we can see you know when uh, fuel bur- uh, consumption fuel burn burning up is reduced it would uh, uh, really help but uh, what other factors are uh, uh, there contributing to this Right. So, absolutely. So, I think um, uh, energy, uh, we know how big of a sector it is uh, individually per se. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think pretty much it's it's a common need across globe. So, we everybody wants clean energy, everybody wants cleaner vehicles and all of this. So, I think till now, uh, the terminology that was used was called a green premium. So green tax or whatever it is. So where uh, mm. if you want something more cleaner, uh, it has to have an extra premium attached to it. But uh, when we, when, you know, you mentioned about Elon Musk. So I think when he came out with the Teslas and which are competitive at the price range of uh, other cars. So you know, that's when the green premium is gone all of a sudden. So why, why you want a cooler car with... Um, uh, you know, which is safer to the environment. You know, who wouldn't go for it, right? So, and then we've seen the massive uh, success that um, uh, Tesla had, and um, it's primarily right. owing to that uh, uh, rationale of uh, eliminating the green premium in this uh, vehicle. So, similarly on energy as well, I think um, uh, solar we have seen uh, with the subsidies that have been given out and. Uh, uh, the other thing was also, I think there was a lot of um, uh, what do you say, the underdevelopment of uh, uh, technology comparatively in the battery space and the solar panel efficiency. So I think um, uh, over the last few years we have seen solar panels of uh, you know achieving mammoth efficiencies that you know that were not even uh, speakable a few years back, and we have seen the batteries, uh, especially lithium and lithium phosphate and all of these are gaining so much of traction and uh, becoming, you know, widely available. So that has really driven the whole solar battery momentum for either electric vehicles and also for uh, uh, powering your homes and other things. At the same time, I'd like to also say that um, uh, on the inverter technology and other things, there are some developments that are yet to happen in that space. So that is going to really boost uh, uh, this so uh, so when I um, uh, say about energy, uh, this so once you start to eliminate that particular uh, uh, green tax or a green premium and make these things uh, really affordable and at the same time technologically uh, equally competent enough, I think you have great solutions. So Tesla is one example, and Tesla has other products for solar roofing and other things. And and it's not by miracle or or by totally coincidence that they've come across with that because that is a natural evolution so if you're able to bring better batteries uh, to your cars why not bring better batteries to a solar system okay so so it's a natural all interrelated things and um, uh, this primarily everything is related to environment so again when you have um, uh, lesser pollution you have cleaner air then i think um, a lot of these things make a lot of sense and um, uh, how environment and energy, one more indoor case I could give an um, scenario was, uh, uh, you see, 
you have a lot of uh, CO2 produced. So CO2 is, is one of the most um, um, heat-absorbing uh, kind of uh, things. And that is going to make your indoor uh, space very, very hot, right? So by reducing that, mm -hmm. you can effectively, you're reducing uh, the warmth of your place, you're reducing um, the air conditioning that is needed with that, your energy bill goes down. So this is, this is one kind of an example where uh, you can really see how, uh, you know, the quality of your air and the quality of your environment can really help in better energy savings and better energy utilization. So I think uh, some keywords in this space would be building energy management. So how uh, by monitoring a lot of these things and also the ambient light conditions in the room and other things, uh, you can really uh, better have your lighting systems, better have your HVAC, heating, ventilation, air conditioning systems. So uh, at, when I see it should not be seen as environment separate and energy as separate. So when you try to do energy, you invariably try to improve environment. And when you try to invariably improve environment, you're also... Uh, invariably improving the energy. So that is the complete cycle uh, with respect to energy wow. and environment. And it's a tightly knit one. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty massive change that you can bring about, even if you touch any one of that. Because yes, you are inevitably touching the other one. Wow, that's very well put. I mean, uh, I never thought about it this way, that it is a, you know, a self-improving loop that if you... Uh, make your energy better it uh, helps environment and when you make when when the environment is better you know say like the the, the amount of heat that is there uh, would be reduced and uh, eventually the energy becomes any efficient and it's a never-ending loop it gets better and better and better right so Correct. that's very well put now a uh, lot of great insights here uh, you know thanks a lot for that uh, before uh, I go, uh, before I let you go away, uh, one last question that I've started asking all my guests uh, these days is, if you can share, uh, shed some light on uh, what are the job opportunities and startup opportunities, if not jobs, I would love to hear what are the startup opportunities, uh, because you are in this, this space looking at uh, these things. And I'm sure you might be feeling if some if if there are some people who can take up this work and start some company out of it uh, this would really help because i'm sure uh, you know there might be a lot of use cases that might be that you see day in and out and that hits your mind and we cannot delve into everything right so uh, what are the, those uh, key spaces that uh, you can see for startups yeah. specifically and also if you can touch upon job opportunities in the iot space i would say yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let me uh, break it down this way. Uh, so uh, first, let me do uh, startups. And then uh, probably I think uh, some of that can also be applied to uh, jobs. So here, when I uh, talked about environment, right? Uh, so the, it, it involves a lot of uh, data analytics, it involves a lot of uh, um, you know machine learning and other things to gain insights from that data. So, so when I see uh, here, I think for IoT uh, spaces and IoT uh, startups and even for people who are wanting to explore in this area. So one other thing would be uh, to look at it as I call it as an IoT stack. So how we have a full stack in terms of uh, development of web applications, you know, all of that. So similarly, you have a, a complete uh, stack of uh, Internet of Things. So right from your sensors, right from your data acquisition, then your microcontroller level to connectivity level, like your Wi-Fi, your Bluetooth, your LoRa, ZigBee. And then on top of that, you have uh, uh, the cloud or, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, things that come into play. So I think one interesting thing uh, would be uh, for startup, great idea would be to really help uh, building your own stack. So or uh, delve on one crucial aspect of um, environment and try to provide a complete use case or a scenario around it. Because uh, as I said, in smart, uh, in environment itself, we have a separate case for smart industry and smart city. So similarly, uh, if you go one level further into that, you will see a lot of uh, use cases for different kind of manufacturing. You need different kind of solutions. 
So what works for, uh, uh, you know, a smoldering plant might not work for uh, a steel plant or cannot work for oil and gas, uh, you know, rig. So uh, like this, you have separate uh, cases. So I, I think uh, one interesting thing would be uh, to get started and explore and um, just try to visit the uh, places that are there, like the different industries and other things. So that would really uh, help fine tune uh, your problem statement and, you know, your offering, like where does this exactly fit in or what is the problem that I am uh, trying to solve? Uh, because I think um, is a big conception of SISP, uh, which is a solution in search of a problem. So there are a lot of solutions out there on the market, very cooler solutions, but they don't have a use case. They don't have a problem statement that they're uh, solving, maybe yeah. in the future, but nobody knows. So uh, whatever you're building also, let it not be in that way. Let it be in a way where you define your problem first and uh, work towards it. Uh, so some of the ways to uh, define your problem is uh, look at uh, the industries, look at the things around you, be all ears, all eyes. And uh, I think uh, you'll really get to know what are the exact problems around you. And then you can figure out your own IoT stack and other things as a ways to solve it. And, and this can be in your own creative way. You know, you, you can maybe pick up uh, the bottom layers of the stack, which are already built um, on something, and then you can add your own flavor to it. So uh, things like that. But real uh, learning, real thing would happen when we really start exploring by ourselves what it is, uh, curious to learn more and um, try to really define a problem statement well. And that is when I think uh, uh, really good startups can come out of this. So yeah, that is with respect to uh, startups. Uh, my uh advisor that we used to look for and i think if you want some keywords i think i've given out a lot so building energy management and smart industries ehs compliance and a lot of things so these are some areas where uh, really our products can happen and startups can happen and uh when coming to employees or the job opportunities in this space so uh, definitely i think um one would be uh, at the cross uh, you know cross section of uh, iot policy making and e governance so that is what i really see it as happening so we need people who can understand the technology validate the technology and help government take decisions so those are uh, some of the interesting opportunities that are going to be created in the future uh, where um, you know you need technical people mm-hmm. along with the decision makers to really understand what is going on. So that is uh, uh, one use case. And also if you're an IoT engineer, you can um, sit at the cross-section of uh, um, environmental panelists and again, uh, your technology. So you can be a gap, you can be a bridge to them because... Uh, a lot of uh, time what happens is uh, really amazing people uh, who understand environment well, amazing researchers, sometimes they don't really get the technology well. So that bridging role in between helping environmentalists understand the data, building systems for them, maybe it might be researchers, it might be uh, you know professors, it might be organizations, independent organizations who are driving it. So that particular role, that particular gap, is what I see in, in most of the spaces. And uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for startups and individuals to fill that gap. And um, that will also help individuals learn more about environment, more about policy making, and other things. So uh, I think one important thing I'd like, like to say is that today the vertical divisions of engineering is gone. You can no longer call yourself a mechanical engineer because nothing can be built by mechanical engineering alone. So it, it's more of a, a horizontal slicing where you need to know a bit of everything to do that. And as then we, we go forward, I think even those lines will be erased. So as an engineer, uh, it will be more of um, a human. You have to know about policy, you have to know about engineering, you have to know about everything in between to really make an impact. So the pipelines, the schema is really changing. And um, that is where I think uh, people should really think on now what are the job opportunities that are going to exist in the future and how am I going to be prepared for that rather than what is existing now. And uh, uh, this is where the world is heading in terms of uh, the broader classification of things, the different pipelines and different mechanisms of things. So, yeah, so that's about it. Wow, that's, I mean, this is, 
the best uh, uh, suggestion uh, i have ever listened to because i really mean it uh, mm-hmm. the reason being you know you have touched upon all the uh, uh, spaces uh, startup spaces and also you uh, essentially touched upon that raw nerve uh, which lo- which a lot of governments are suffering even you know elon musk uh, stated about it on uh, joe rogan's podcast that you know uh, when he was trying to explain the senates of uh, you know the, the us government uh, about how ai uh, can be so very very uh, uh, destructive if uh, uh, if not if, if the proper policies are not put in place he was he went himself there and he tried to give a hour long of presentation to them try to explain them and they were all you know uh, thick heads they couldn't get anything in their head and uh, you know eventually they didn't do anything that's where I, i you know i wouldn't blame them because they do not come from a technology background and they wouldn't understand and uh, as rightly put by you that there should be uh, the advisors uh, who you know know te- environment but also know technology uh, per se and uh, can be at the right cross section to you know guide uh, the, these things uh, really great uh, uh, you know yeah. insights today i i'm really moved by the uh, you know things that are happening in this space i uh, I, i was more into industrial iot you know uh, uh, predictive maintenance and all this stuff but i didn't know this is uh, such a big space this is definitely a uh, learning for me uh, and thanks a lot for being here uh, for those who do not know vivek and i are uh, you know together since a long time i mean uh, we we connected maybe 4 years back 3 years so back i guess years. when i was back in college yeah when sorry, i was back sorry. in college uh, Uh, vivek actually helped me uh, with a project of mine uh, you know he guided me uh, uh, with a you know research project and uh, that's how we built a bond and still we are there uh, together and recently we connected back again in a much better way and we are sharing a lot of things together thanks a lot uh, for your time brother uh, it, it was really wonderful uh, having you on my podcast thanks for being yeah. here Yeah likewise uh, Prakash so very exciting what you're doing and I'm very happy to be a part of it and uh, wish you all the success for the future hope you inspire many people uh, you know in the space of IoT especially the budding engineers and you know the students they would be really moved by you know the kind of talks that you're putting out there uh, hope um, you know I can be a part of it and try to help you and wish you all success and uh, yeah I mean stay safe and all the best for everything thank you thanks a lot All right that brings us to the end of this podcast episode i really hope you like this episode too and if you did like this episode then please do follow or subscribe where you're getting this podcast from be it on apple spotify stitcher radio amazon prime music or audible or any that other platform for that matter and also please do share this podcast with your friends colleagues communities and everywhere possible because all we want to draw is drive that inspiration in the people to get into iot to try out this space because this space has humongous amount of opportunities and i don't want any one of you to miss it so please 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 share it with everyone and you also please try out something in this space if not already doing also feel free to reach out to me on my instagram linkedin anywhere if you have any kind of questions anything for that matter i'm always there to help you guys please feel free to reach out to me and i'll see you next time until then keep doing awesome as always Thank you.